Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back. This is the 43rd COVID podcast from the COVID echo thing. That didn't sound real professional, but okay. It totally didn't. I'm sorry. So first we had Dr. Jerrica Burge, the U of M professor and vice chair of research, family medicine. There you go. And she uh, came in with a study with some highlights on social distancing. That's easy for you to say. Social distancing practices in young adults. So, you know, as we all saw with social media, especially when you're looking at things like Florida and going back out on the beaches, but really the media made young adults look really poor, look really, really bad when it came to COVID because it, you know, it said, you know, young people don't socially distance. Whereas this study looked at 720 young adults. That's my computer. And half of them were indeed practicing social distancing. Yeah, I don't know if I was 25 years old and it was spring break. I like to think I would have social distanced, but I'm concerned. I don't know. But I think that, uh, you know, some of the younger people I've talked to that live in the Twin Cities, they are complaining because all their friends want to be completely away from them. They're doing, they're playing games by Zoom and stuff. So, so they are doing it. They are doing it. Um, I did, there was this, the one thing that I really did appreciate. So they, they talked about the young adults who are essential workers and the women, um, although they all had high stress, men and women who were essential workers, men of course didn't tolerate it as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't trust this study. <laughs> it was statistically more significant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the men yeah. had more depression. But I think the thing to really remember is that women in this situation eat more rotten food. You know, there was more fast food for for that group. That's crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Right anyway. to Burger King. Ew. Anyway, so we're going to jump over to um, Chris Ayersman, who Director of Infectious Diseases and Epidemiology at the Minnesota Department of Health. She has been the rock of a human being to talk to when it comes to anything MDH since, you know, the beginning of March of last year. And it's kind of been fun to watch the progression with her, with the state, with her, with our relationship with her. And just, I just felt yeah yesterday, because this is when we talked with her yesterday, it was just like a pivotal moment where I realized, oh my gosh, we're actually kind of smiling. There was some positivity finally. Yeah, we weren't smiling as much 10 months ago. Gosh, no. But, but uh, yeah, she was great. And I think uh, she, we've had her on three or four times and I think we should go back and and look at them all and where we are now because it's funny because she said that. She said, you know, uh, there's still a lot of negativity, but shouldn't we be looking back and saying, gosh, look what we've all done. Look what we've all done. I just thought when you said go back and look at them, it's it's interesting because it's, you know, they've shown like pictures of presidents at the beginning of their presidency and at the end of their presidency and how much they've aged over the four or eight years. I feel like if we went back and looked at echoes from 10 months ago, I think we might have looked like we've aged. You do, but I, I think I'm pretty much the same. So <laughs> okay. one of the things that anyway. uh, they talked about was the Johnson Johnson vaccine coming out in March. And interestingly, let's face it, this is going to be the thing for people who are homeless or transient. 
you just want to give them one shot and let them go because are they coming back? It's, Maybe not. Right. So yeah, single dose. Basically, it's about 72% so far effective in the U.S. Um, but this is where it's good. It's about 66% effective at preventing moderate to severe COVID. Um, but it's 100% protection against COVID-related hospitalization and death as of day 28. So you, it's not as high of percentage of amazingness as far as the 95% like the Moderna and the Pfizer are, but it's still 100% at preventing the hospitalization and death. So it also does appear to be very good with protection against the the big variant from South Africa. Yeah, I'm thinking that amazingness is not a word, but... I think it is a word. I'm not sure. Amazingness. But I think overall, you know, having these limited vaccines has been hard on everyone. And she talked a little bit about how difficult it is to decide the groups that should get it first, and your your computer just keeps making noise. It does. Just a thought. You're, like, jumping all over the place. <laughs> you only have the bullet points that weren't in the slides. Probably. Go ahead. You uh, lead. I just want to give a comment as far as going back to the Johnson. Did you say it's coming out at the beginning of March? I did. Okay. Were you not listening to no, me? No, I wasn't. Um, but, yes, so the goal is 80% of Minnesotans to get vaccinated. Um, you know, again, like Kurt just mentioned, really wanting to do it in a certain rolling out manner, which is very, very, very challenging to do with the allocation supply. I am missing some of this on purpose. So, you know, they've been talking about all these phases. And the interesting thing with the phasing is that even the phases have been changing a lot. Things that they said day one, she made a comment about how, Minnesota was all set in the way they were doing it, and then the federal government came out and something was said that nobody in their right mind knew was coming. And so really understanding that the people who are making these decisions at the state level sometimes really don't have a lot of say either and don't get the information that much ahead of time, and they're really doing the best they can. You said phases, not phasers, like Star Trek. You said phases? Phases. Okay, just checking. Those aren't phasers is not a... It sounded like phasers, but okay. But phasers isn't even a thing. No, like in Star Trek, a phaser. <laughs> That's not what it's called, a lightsaber? Different Star Trek. We're talking oh. back in the 70s. Oh, okay, never mind. That's Star Wars. Gotcha. So... Wow. Yeah, I brought that way back. Okay. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about Minnesota as a compliance, you know, vaccine compliance. That's been great. Where, do you know where I am at all? No. No. Mm -mm. I do want to comment on this, and maybe this is part of where you're going with this, but um, they did some survey data about a week or two ago, and 81% of long-term care facility residents had received at least one dose of their vaccine. Yeah. But the, the staff, only 48% had received one dose. Yeah, and we asked about that. What, what's the deal? And... They said it's interesting because when they've initially they had a lot of staff at the long-term care that did not want them. And when they came around for a second time, uh, many more took it. Yes. And so, yeah, the data of the second dose is, it was helpful. I think people didn't want to necessarily be the first, uh, but. Yeah, the very first. We're going to try this out. I'm putting my kid in line to be very first in the kids, but, you know. We'll see. Okay, now where are we? So basically, as far as healthcare personnel, we're back to that whole 1A priority group. All healthcare personnel, there's still about 80,000 that remain to be 
need to be vaccinated. And there's still about 40,000 long-term care residents still needing to be vaccinated. So if you looked at the way that we've been allocating up until this point, she said about four months. Yeah. And there's actually a system now, if you're a healthcare worker and you have not received it, that you can sign up and get on a list so that they know who you are. And then they put a chip in you and they track you forever. Okay. That's not true either. If you go to you know, MDH and just search healthcare vaccination connection form. Yes. Then you can get on the list without being tracked. <laughs> go ahead. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. She did go into a while uh, about how the, the vaccines are allocated and ordered and how the ordering can take time. And so what you hear on the news saying we Minnesota has been given this many vaccines and then people get frustrated because there aren't that many vaccines to give right today. She said it can be a 10 to 14 day turnaround time from the moment you hear that on TV until the time they actually have the doses in their hands to be able to shove in people's arms. Yeah, which is complicated because the minute people hear that on the radio and the TV, what do they do? They call their local clinic. I heard you getting all these immunizations. We would like one. Yes. So they don't want that. So... And actually, they talked a little bit about when they came out again, too. It's like how it's different from system, hospital system to hospital system. And so some people uh, or some systems have different criteria for who gets immunized first. For instance, I asked a little question about age, because to me, age was the most important part. And Chris said what I've been waiting to hear is that 75% of the people, I think, uh, over the age of 75 Excuse me. 70% of deaths are 75 years old and up. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. I'm reading it right now. And it's much less at that 65 to 75. Correct. So so in some systems, uh, those people weren't prioritized, and she's encouraging that to happen. And it is a hard uh, line, I guess, because you might have a 66-year-old who's got diabetes and heart disease and obesity and all of that. But yet the age of 75, even with maybe a little hypertension, is still higher risk. Well, it's that 95-year-old. Well, I have a 98-year-old, 98 next Monday, and she still hasn't got her shot. I went to the higher-ups and said, what's the problem? I mean, she's 98. Give her the shot. (laughs) So give it to her. Yes. Um, And so... there's, there's a lot of things and a lot of barriers and all of that. Um, and also understanding that the second vaccine doses are allocated in a separate system. And we're just going to kind of, it's, it's, it's important to be eager. And I think that's what she was trying to get across. And at the end, she kind of hit that home again. She's very excited. And she, even at the state level, who can only do so much, feels badly that so many people want this vaccine and haven't been able to get it yet. But understanding that we as a state have been doing very, very well, um, you know, 86% of people are getting it that quickly. Well, um, I think the thing to know if during COVID you are just sitting at home all the time, you have nothing to do, go on MDH's website because you can actually track, they're tracking the progress of who's getting shots on there. And I think that's information you should just delve into. Go right on that website. Uh, now that website will blow up. Just watch. You know, though there is so much on their website. Different tracking things, graphs, charts. I mean... It's, All the colors. It's a very, very colorful. Um, so I'm going to just kind of jump ahead. So yeah, the government had kind of brought the age down to 65, which is where we started to have a little bit of stress. Um, they are really working on trying to spread um, the vaccines throughout the state in an equitable um 
manner as well and hitting different populations and uh, and making sure everybody, no matter who you are in Minnesota, you are able to get a vaccine, especially those people who are um, higher risk. So, yeah. So are you, are you lost? I am a little bit okay. you know, having kind of a problem at the clinic here. Okay. So let's start with just the, let's just kind of finish with these overarching themes. It is a moral imperative to vaccinate inmates. So this is kind of where we're going to back up and go back to that Johnson and Johnson one time uh, dose thing. This is where, when we have that, I think we have a little bit of a bias at this point, but the transient populations, the people who work in clinics are higher risk. Um, I mean, you don't have to try to track them to get them back. I still can't believe you made it back for your second one. I mean, thank goodness you had 25 people reminding you where to go. I just hate shots. That's not helping. Since the rabies thing. <laughs> um, start with 75-year-olds and older if possible. Um, higher risk people are people who are both eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. They're going to be the higher risk patients. Um Mm. Yeah, and I'm, I, I wonder if we should go. There was a lot of questions. There was there a was, ton of questions. You know, I think, I think one of them, of are... one of the things, and just some of the, the responses to the questions about who to immunize, you know, Chris basically said, well, listen, you want to immunize to make the biggest impact. And, and I think that's that overriding thing. Really get the people, try to ferret out the people who really need it first. Um, and one of the questions came in about independent clinics. Uh, like, are they getting the same number of, uh, vaccines, and they're working hard to make sure that those groups are also getting their immunizations. Well, I think they went back to, so initially they had kind of done this huge randomization thing as to who, where they're going to spread the vaccine, but now they're saying that if there is an independent clinic within the area of a system divided by, you know, the the you know, breaking the state up into regions, um, that system is going to have to be responsible for helping the independent clinics, so... <clears throat> Yeah, and they actually uh, ended up with kind of an ethics group that was assigned some of the task of kind of knowing where to send them. And uh, there was quite a bit of pushback on that from different groups. And um, and I think that they're doing their best to, to try and make sure everybody's just getting treated fairly. Correct. Um, a couple other... Um couple other things as far as, you know, the, the people trying to get on lists to get their vaccine. If you've signed up in multiple listservs to get your vaccine and then you... Your name comes up on one. Please cancel your other yeah. name so then other people can move to the top of the list. Yeah, tell patients that. Man, don't don't have three things and then just skip the other two. Mm -hmm. You know, then end up giving that vaccine to a 12-year-old kid or something. And it should be given to somebody who had an appointment that was 100 years old or at least 90. Right. So there was a question in there as well about... Um, you know, what if you've been vaccinated once or twice or you've had your all your series or not your whole series, but half of it? What do you do if you get exposed to COVID? This is a huge, huge, huge thing, um, which unfortunately there isn't a great answer to yet because the original studies on these vaccines had an endpoint at clinical disease, meaning did you get sick or not? It didn't look specifically, the, the trials didn't look specifically at asymptomatic spread. So they're looking now if there's this theoretical ability to spread COVID without having any type of disease. So even if you've been vaccinated, can you still spread it? And so, again, that just seems so far-fetched. However, at this point, the recommendations are still the same. If you have been exposed, even if you've had your vaccine, you're still supposed to quarantine and do the same things. Yeah. Um, we had a little talk about... 
uh, some of the some of the things that need to be debunked, like that COVID causes infertility and cancer. And apparently, they're working on that. That that there should be somewhere that pe- people can go get the real truth. Yeah, MDH has a place on their site as well, as does Johns Hopkins has a thing on their website about debunking myths. I feel like it should be an episode of MythBusters. Yeah. The, um, there was one other thing I was going to mention. There is another vaccine, AstraZeneca, which is still on yeah. the horizon. There's not a specific date yet. We're looking more at that Johnson & Johnson one right now. Many clinical trials out there for kids. Um, yeah, a lot of questions. Do, should you get the vaccine if you're sick, Dr. Bell? If you have are sick with COVID, no, you should not get the vaccine. Good plan. <laughs> but uh, And one other thing, and I, I actually worded this wrong during the echo because I said something about are you looking forward to the, you know. The second surge in March or yeah. third surge or 10th. And what I meant on. are are you looking forward to plan? Uh, but, yeah, it made me sound like I didn't know what I was talking about, which may have been true. But, uh, you know, there has been some prediction that we're going to see a surge in about four or five weeks up until 14 weeks from now. Uh, that was actually a prediction by our friend Mike Osterholm. Yes. With the variant out of the UK, which caused twice as many deaths in the UK as the first wave. So we'll see. Um, but she is, they, they <laughs> are aware of those. Knows. Yeah, I mean, they, they are aware of those. Boy, your computer. They are aware of those uh, possibilities, and they're trying to make sure that they're prepared. But otherwise, we had fun with Chris. It was good. There you go. Probably the last time she's going to be on because we don't have that many echoes left. And then we're going to abandon this whole COVID echo thing. Because COVID will be over. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, every once in a while. It was never a thing. It was never a thing. All right. Anyway, with that, we'll chat at you next week. Um, Otherwise, just check out the Addiction Connection for all the fun addiction topics. All right. Thanks. And we will hopefully... You'll get to hear us next week. Why can't I just bring?